Hi, everybody. Thank you for joining me here on the Bare Bones Yoga Podcast, Conversations for Yoga Teachers. My name is Karen Fabian. I'm the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I'm a yoga teacher and educator, and my goal here is to provide you, the yoga teacher, and other listeners with interesting, compelling content designed to pique your interest in teaching help you grow as a teacher, and support you on your path to sharing this wonderful practice with your students. I've been teaching for over 14 years, and through my classes, workshops, online courses, books, and other content, I focus on the anatomy of yoga and how teachers can learn this complex subject and present it to their students in an understandable way, all designed to help them bring more impact to their teaching. Even though we're not in the same room, I want you to envision for each episode that we've sat down for tea in a cozy coffee shop. Some days we'll talk about technical teaching topics, while some days we might have a teacher friend join in on the conversation, and other days we'll face some of the personal challenges that can come up when we take on the journey of being a teacher, knowing that the more authentic we can be, the more we can impact others. For more information about my products and programs and to contact me at any time, just visit my website at barebonesyoga.com. Let's get into today's episode. Hi, everybody. Karen Fabian here. Great to be with you. This is podcast uh, episode number 49 here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. So I'm recording this on December 2nd, so Thanksgiving has just passed, and I hope you had a really nice holiday. Um, And today what I thought I would do is I'm going to be, uh, this week, launching a brand new download, a free uh, download of tips for new teachers. And I want to just say right out of the gate, if you're listening to this and you automatically stop listening because you consider yourself not a new teacher... I want you to keep an open mind because these tips are going to really be for anyone. Um, Although I did focus them on the new teacher. Uh, If you've been listening to the past number of episodes that I've done, they've all been interviews with newer teachers uh, all over the world. And um, I just want to give a huge shout out to those teachers who spent some time with me over the phone and shared from the heart, shared from the mind, shared uh, lessons they've learned, shared goals that they have. And it was really through that, uh, through those episodes that I was inspired to just spend a little time uh, writing out some of the themes, uh, some themes I already had from past articles I'd written. Um, And I wanted to pull it together in a two pager that you can download and, and, and have have on hand. And I'll tell you right out of the gate here, the, um, the download, the PDF is right on my homepage. So all you need to do is go to barebonesyoga.com and download it. And it's super easy to get. Uh, I don't need to give you any fancy links or any of that, just barebonesyoga.com right on the homepage. And in fact, when you're done listening to this episode, I want you to just, um, just, put it in your phone. Just go to the URL, barebonesyoga.com, scroll down a little bit and you'll see it. Um, If you uh, don't feel like doing that, here's another thing you can do. You can take a picture uh, of yourself. I mean, not yourself, but you can take a picture listening to this podcast episode. So when you're listening, if you're listening on your phone, just take a screenshot 
to show that you're listening and just post it on your Instagram and tag me at barebones yoga. And I will email you the link to the download. So two really easy ways for you to get it. I know sometimes uh, people are listening when they're on the go and they hear about a download. And then when they're done listening, they start doing whatever it is they were planning on doing and they forget. So I don't want you to forget because I want you to have this download. So those are two easy ways that you can get it. So um, let me just start out by saying, you know, a new yoga teacher isn't necessarily one that's only been teaching for less than a year. In my 15 years of teaching, I would most honestly say that I was a new teacher probably for the first five years of my teaching. And that's really because it really, the best teacher for teachers is experience. And um, gaining experience and just putting yourself out there teaching public classes is the best way to get better at teaching. And I don't mean just getting better at teaching from the point of view of um, what you're saying and the cues you're giving and, and that kind of thing, just feeling comfortable in your own skin. Even today, I have you know quite a few moments where I feel kind of uncomfortable or I feel self-conscious, I feel nervous. So that, I mean, for me, I can say in my experience has never completely gone away. And I really think what it requires is that you fully own your own power. You fully own it with no apologies and with no excuses and no covering up your greatness as a person. And we all have that, right? We all have it in a unique way. And really, you know, for me, I can, I can share a little bit of an intimate thought that for me, when I get uncomfortable, it's because I am afraid to really own who I am. And I absolutely guarantee you any uh, singer, actor, performer of any kind that you have seen that you've been inspired by has 100% stepped into their own uh, power fully owned it and just left nothing on the table, right? And so that's what we need to do as teachers. And that takes time. And there are times that I definitely do it and I don't think about it so much when I'm doing it, but then when I'm done, I say, oh yeah, that was it. You know, when I try in my mind to think about what was it, what made that experience different for me? You know, you can also liken it to an athlete. You know, if you've done anything where you've been in the moment, you've been going for a long run, or you've been at the gym doing a, you know, intense workout or yoga practice, you know, something where you're really in the moment, you're in the zone. Those are the kinds of things that, um, that really can spark this feeling of just being in your own power. So um, that's just something to throw out there. By the same token, there's something really pure about being a new yoga teacher. You don't have a lot of preconceived notions and there's really a lightness to it if the teacher is approaching it from the perspective of wanting to learn. And so that's again why I'm really asking right now to be open, to be coachable, um, even if you've been teaching for a number of years and see if some of these things maybe apply to you. Now, if you are um, a teacher who's been teaching less than six months or less than a year, I want to just give you a special shout out to say congratulations for completing your 200-hour teacher training. Um, you know, there's a lot that we can talk about with regard to the current 
process um, hosted, I guess you could say, hosted by Yoga Alliance. Um, the reality is, you know, all of the teachers who have gone through 200 hour training programs have dedicated 200 hours out of their life to studying yoga. And um, so I want to just give you a, a huge hug, virtual hug, pat on the back for completing that. And that's a big, big achievement. And that, of course, goes to all, all of the teachers listening. Um, I think, though, when you're within the past year of graduating, it's still kind of super fresh. And, you know, you're still in the process of kind of reorganizing your life from making this big decision to get out there and teach. And I also just want to mention, I know this podcast is primarily listened to by yoga teachers, um, but if you are listening and you're not a teacher and you went to teacher training to, you know, really just kind of dive into the study of yoga, huge, huge props to you. I think that is an absolutely fantastic endeavor. So, um, you know, let me just kind of couch this, you know, again, there, there is the download that goes along with this. And the focus of this comes from those episodes I did, uh, or the inspiration for this comes from those episodes I did with uh, several new teachers. And if you haven't listened to those episodes, they're the past couple. So I think it's like 41, 42, 43, 44. There were quite a few. And I really encourage you to listen to those because you can learn so much from other people. And I think, you know, one of the teachers, Margie Kirsten, she mentioned this and, and I so totally agree. This idea that we're all pretty isolated as teachers. I mean, let's face it, I can probably count on one hand the number of teacher meetings that I had in any studio that I ever was part of. And I'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing. I'm just saying that without an opportunity for teachers to get together in person, it really can be kind of isolating. And if you uh, pass another teacher in the crossover between your class and theirs, there's only so much time you can talk. And, um, and so I really love that this podcast, I've heard from teachers who have said, you know, this podcast is really a way for me to connect with other teachers, even though I'm doing it virtually and I'm not talking to them live, just hearing from other teachers has been so inspiring and so helpful. And, um, and so I'm so grateful that teachers are loving this podcast and are looking to it as a way to hear from other teachers and hear what they're you know, going through and hear what they're struggling with and hear what some of their wins are and that kind of thing. So it's really, really, um, you know, an opportunity for you through this podcast to, to make that connection to other teachers. Um, the other thing I'll just mention is I have almost a thousand teachers now from all over the world in my anatomy work group on Facebook. And you can join too by just going to Facebook and putting in the search bar, the Bare Bones Yoga Anatomy Work Group. The other thing is you can just go to my website, barebonesyoga.com. The invitation is right on the homepage. Again, just like the download for this episode. And in that work group, I'm constantly doing videos every week with quick little lessons. Um, just a lot of conversation goes on between teachers, teachers helping other teachers with tips and ideas when they see somebody else comments. I'm just so proud of you know, the people that are in that group in that they are contributing positively to each other, to the spirit of the group. You know, there's a lot we can say about kind of the junk on the internet and in public forums, but I've been so, so proud of what has uh, been built in, you know, my little corner of Facebook, the Bare Bones Yoga Anatomy Work Group. So if you're not part of that group, that is another virtual way to connect with teachers. 
And um, there's something to be said uh, about connecting with teachers that are all over the place. You know, it can really be pretty grounding to realize that no matter where you are, you're kind of facing a lot of the same questions, uh, a lot of the same issues, challenges. So that can be um, kind of comforting in a way. So definitely join that group. So let's get to today's episode and kind of the content, the main part of it. So, you know, here you are, you've graduated from your 200 hour teacher training and again, congratulations. So now you can get down to the business of teaching. Now you may have a lot of questions and you may feel a bit overwhelmed. So I want to start out here with a few tips and, you know, I'm going to also add, if you have graduated from your teacher training within the past six months and you haven't started teaching, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? right? Don't wait. It's, or, it's already, I hate to say it, it's already kind of too long, but again, it's never too long. So just start doing it. Find a friend. You know, if you live near your family, if you have a couple office friends, start teaching because the sooner, or I'm sorry, the longer you wait from your teacher training and the practice teaching you did there, the harder it's going to be for you to build the motivation to, to continue. So you really need to start right away and you know, if you feel like you're not ready, that's understandable. You're never going to feel ready. No amount of training, no amount of reading, no amount of Googling on the internet for the answers to those anatomy questions. No amount of that is going to make you feel ready. You just have to do it. Again, listen to the episodes because all of these new teachers in one way or another said they didn't feel ready either and they did it anyway and they were scared to death in, in some cases and they did it anyway. So, you know, I don't want to make it you know, kind of more than it is, but it does take a certain amount of courage to start teaching when you don't feel ready and you have those butterflies in your stomach. That's part of really in a way, that's part of the win. That's part of how awesome you're going to feel when you are done because you're going to know you were afraid and you did it anyway. And that in a lot of ways is the definition of courage. Now, I'm not saying you're running into a burning building and saving people, but you know, there is courage in facing our fears on a personal level and from a personal growth perspective. And when you are afraid to teach, you're a newer teacher and you're waiting for that magical time when you believe you're going to be ready, which never comes, all that's going by is time. And really, in a way, you're denying the, um, the people that would come to your classes an opportunity to enjoy practice with you. So, um, so I really encourage you to get going. So these tips are going to definitely help you if you're a teacher in that situation, although uh, I know that these tips are going to be helpful to everyone. So the tip number one is have a standard sequence that you use. And this really means that instead of reinventing the wheel each time you go into the classroom, have a standard sequence that you're going to lean on really for the first couple of years you teach. And I know you may be thinking, oh my God, that's so boring. So first of all, let me just kind of dispel the myth that we have to make yoga fancy and exciting for people to enjoy it, right? Like, think about it. Think about how like trivial that sounds, right? Oh, we have to keep changing up the sequence in order to make it more interesting. No, we don't. We don't. The, the profound nature of yoga in a lot of ways comes from its simplicity, comes from emphasizing the basics. Now, having said that, and being a teacher of anatomy, I will say there is, I have some concern about doing the same thing over and over and over again, 
But again, you have to take into consideration when you start to think about that, a lot of different factors. How often is the person coming to class? What's the physical condition of the person coming to class? How are the cues that the teacher provides? Is the teacher watching the student? So even, and I could go on and on. So even if you have a student doing the same thing five times a week, there are ways that you can make really subtle changes to create more balance in the typical power yoga flow is what I will say. Okay, so let's just kind of put that out there as part of what we're gonna acknowledge is, is part of this conversation. But what I want you to get is the spirit of this. The spirit of this tip is built on the idea that if you as a new teacher are constantly creating new sequences, you are, it's like you're putting extra weight in your backpack and then running a marathon. There is no need for you to be doing that. The only reason you think that you need to do that is because you're thinking that your students are gonna get bored if you do the same sequence over and over again. And the reality is they're not gonna get bored, right? And if they get bored, what you need to do as a teacher is you need to have a conversation with them if they're willing to talk to you about where's that boredom coming from? You know, what are some factors of the yoga practice that we can look at as ways to keep us grounded, even if we're doing the same thing as we did the day before or the week before? So again, we could talk about that part a lot, but I want you to just kind of trust me that that's a conversation you can have. And that's a theme that really doesn't hold much water. Now, as far as the standard sequence, I hear from teachers that, um, quite a few teachers, that they came out of their 200-hour training without a standard sequence. So you're gonna to need to build a sequence yourself. I can help you. So you can always email me and we can set up a one-on-one -on -one session to do that. The other thing is you can go on my homepage, again, barebonesyoga.com, right at the top is my sequence builder and that'll help you build a sequence. Um, think about the kinds of classes you teach and craft a sequence that fits that. So if you're teaching mainly restorative or beginners or slow flow or, you know, a class theme that's one focused on a high degree of accessibility like me, your sequence is going to be a little different than someone who's, you know, teaching, you know, I don't know, hip hop yoga with a lot of music in the background or boot camp yoga classes, whatever, whatever your particular theme is. So, um, but what I want you to do is take the time to build that standard sequence because guess what? Now you have a basic template that you can always depend on, that you can learn, that you can refine your cues around, that you can basically do in your sleep. And what that's going to allow you to do is number one, it's going to free you up from so much angst and so much excessive nervousness because you're always going to know what you're going to offer. It's going to free up your time because you're not going to have to rewrite sequences every week. It's going to give your students something to depend on too, so they can start to build uh, a level of skill around the practice. And it's going to, um, to give you know, people a chance to kind of get their legs under them, right? When we're constantly changing things, oftentimes it can be really disruptive and more challenging for students. And as a teacher, you know, what you have to think about as well is how can you take um, the high degree of variability in teaching, you know, like every time you step into the room, you don't know who's going to be there. You don't know how they're going to present. Like there's so much variability. How can you take away some of that variability and create some dependability, right? It's kind of like if you're going to run a marathon, I've run a couple marathons, you can train, 
you can buy all the clothes, you can check the weather, you can eat your food, you can do all sorts of things. But at the end of the day, the weather is the one thing you can't control. So you can control for as much as you can control, but then if you wake up in the morning and it's raining, you have to depend on your training to carry you through, even if the weather is not so great. So with yoga teaching, what are all the things you can control? So you can control what you offer and you can control your knowledge of that sequence, knowing it back and forth, knowing what your cues are gonna be. And I promise you, if you really spend the time to do that and just forego all the time you're spending studying and buying these sequence books, I hear from these people, they're writing all these different sequences and you know, oh, I have this book and that book. No, you don't need to do that, right? Um, and in a way, if you put that time aside in those areas and put it into really owning the sequence that you're going to offer, you're going to really nail that. And your confidence level is going to soar and you're going to be able to be a much more effective teacher doing that now. Right? So here's the caveat because you know, nothing is absolute, right? So the caveat is, and this is really to speak to this concern that, Oh, it's boring. Oh, it's, you know, the same thing over and over again. So this standard sequence is going to allow you to maybe pop in something every once in a while or take away something every once in a while. So if you're really hung up on this idea of doing the same thing over and over again, there it is, right? There's your out. So maybe instead of child's pose at the start, you start them on their backs and you do a couple things on their back first. Maybe you take away the ab part. Maybe you take away warrior ones completely and do a whole bunch of crescent lunges. You know, I don't know, maybe you, you know, do dancer's pose with a different grip. There's so many things that you can switch up in really small ways to kind of feed that concern that, oh, it's the same thing over and over again. Okay. So I think, I think you get, I think you get the most, most about that. And the other thing I just want to mention, cause I see this too, is please leave the notebook out of the classroom. Right. And I know a lot of you are probably like, oh my God, my notebook, it has my notes. It has my quotes. It has, I get it. I, I taught like that myself and I really kind of liked it. Like I liked the study aspect of preparing and coming in. What I'm suggesting is, you know, maybe not completely not use it, but think about how freeing it would be for you to come into the room and to teach from what you know, right? To come into the room and to teach from what you know, to teach from this sequence that you've studied and practiced and teach from that. You know, there are so many teachers that say to me when they join the anatomy work group and they answer the initial questions, I want to be able to walk into the studio and just teach. So that's, that's what it is. You know, when we start bringing the notebook in and bringing the mat in and practicing with our students, you know, there's all this additional stuff that we're adding on that's like we're putting on a coat, we're putting on a hat, we're putting on gloves, we're putting on ski pants, right? I want you to be able to walk into the room and to be able to just teach yoga, look at your students, see what's in front of you, react in the moment to what's happening, change your cues on a dime. I want you to be able to do that. And it's really hard to do that if you've kind of set up you know, this whole thing and you're going in and you know, it, it just doesn't give you as much flexibility. And again, like I said, the reality is you don't know who's gonna show up. You don't know what kind of 
you know, physical condition they're going to be in, how they're going to show up. So you need some freedom to be able to, to adjust to that. Okay. So the next thing is, uh, focus on action and alignment cues over anatomy based cues. So I have a, um, I have a webinar on uh, cues and um, that's actually not on my website. If you want that, just send me an email, karen at barebonesyoga.com and I'll email it to you. And in that webinar, I talk about the four kinds of cues that you can use, action, alignment, anatomy, and feeling-based cues. <clears throat> I'm not gonna go into all of them in detail, but in general, action-based cues are just super clear words that just say to the student, do this, do that, do this, do that. Press your heel, root your thigh, uh, press your heel down, squeeze your thigh, reach up high, bend, you know, bend from the waist, touch your toes, um, push away from the floor, any of these things that are just super clear actions. And alignment cues speak more to the shape. So they are things like stack your knee over your heel, align your heels in a line on the floor, you know, uh, hover your rib cage over your thigh uh, as in triangle, twist your body to the side. You know, these are, uh, you know, more about the shape of the posture. And when you're newer, it's really hard to integrate anatomy into your teaching in large part because again, I don't want to go into a whole thing about the current training process, but many teachers tell me and come to my programs, my virtual programs, um, or even my in-person trainings because they didn't learn anatomy in their 200 hour training. Maybe it was presented well, they just didn't get it. Maybe it wasn't presented well and they didn't get it. Maybe it was a combination of those factors. Whatever it is, it's a common theme. And I think a lot of this is because the current process is really decentralized with very little understanding and emphasis on who's teaching anatomy in 200 hour trainings and what background do they have to teach anatomy, okay? So that's all I'm gonna say about that. The reality is because of a lot of different factors, including those, people come out of 200 hour trainings and they don't have a good understanding of anatomy. Or maybe they understand anatomy, but they don't get how to integrate it into cues. Or maybe they get how to integrate it into cues, but it sounds way too complicated. And they notice when they say those cues, people like look confused or the action doesn't happen. So something gets lost in the translation, right? So, what I would say for newer teachers is, um, or really, again, this is one of those that can even apply to a seasoned teacher who just never learned anatomy. Um, just teach from action and alignment, right? Don't take on more than you know. Don't pretend you know, right? Because then you're out of integrity if you're just mimicking what someone else says. Um, give yourself the time and space to do what you need to do to fill in those learning gaps. Until then, Teach from action and alignment. Why not? There are plenty of times that I teach from action and alignment because I go into a room and I start teaching and I can tell from what's happening because I'm looking at the students and I'm super present. So I'm not way up in my head. I can tell there are a lot of new people. There are people that are maybe not new, but they're just not really paying attention. It's a long, it's been a long day or it's really cold out or we just got a bunch of snow. There's just, or things are going on in the world. Hello. Right. Where people are just, you know, it's, it's, it was a big effort to even get there. And so in those moments, you know, I kind of look to my tool belt and I say, I'm going with action. 
I know if I teach super clear action words, I'm going to get these people like with me. And so you can do that too. And as a newer teacher, there's no reason why you can't teach a super effective, powerful class just teaching from action and alignment. And guess what that does? That frees you up from all of this headspace garbage where you're saying something that you're unsure of, your voice goes up a couple octaves, you know that you're out of integrity because you're saying something that you don't really know, like reach your arms up. If you feel some tightness in your shoulder blades, you know, you just kind of, your voice trails off because you're like all of a sudden down a rabbit hole that you really don't know what you're saying, right? So in those, to avoid all of that, just negative energy, just stick with what you know, right? You definitely know what the actions are for the poses. You definitely know what the shapes are, right? Center your hips, stack your knee over your heel, stack your shoulders over your hips. You know that. So teach from what you know. You will be in integrity. You will feel super clear. Your words will come out with a lot of emphasis and just a sense of purpose and that will speak right to your students' bodies and they will start to follow along with you and you'll start to see they're following along. And it's just kind of this, you know, partnered process where now we're all moving together. Okay. So that's, that's, um, that's tip number two. Tip number three, use cues that you could truly understand and could answer a question about after class. Oh my God, this is such a good one. So this kind of relates to what I was saying before, which is many times when you're newer, you get in over your head, right? And that doesn't necessarily mean it's coming from a malicious place. I mean, it's never going to come from a malicious place, but sometimes it comes from like an over-enthusiastic place, or maybe you went to somebody else's class and you picked up a couple of cues and you're like, oh, that sounded really cool. I'm going to use that too. You know, I love that. I love that inquisitiveness. I love that inspiration. The, the challenge is, can you back that up with the actual background that goes along with that? You know, and, and maybe the teacher that you heard that from can't back it up either, but I want you to be the kind of teacher that teaches from knowledge, that cues from actual information that you know, rather than just saying what you heard. And a true test of that is if someone came up to you after class, as they do to me quite a bit, and they say, how come you said this? instead of that? How come you said this? Because I've heard that in other classes. How come you said this? I don't really get that cue. You know, and on and on and on. I just had one yesterday. How come when we did dancer's pose, we had the shoulder open? And then how come when we do bow pose, we had the shoulder closed? I did a whole Instagram post about it um, yesterday. So this is kind of the test right? This is the way that we really step into our power as a teacher in part, because we know what we're saying and we know why we're saying it and we can answer a question about it after class. Um, and so as a newer teacher, sometimes we just kind of leave our training with just the words. And maybe in our training, we didn't get a chance to ask all the questions we had, Maybe we were just more in absorption modes. We were just kind of taking it on, taking it on. Maybe in the training we took, no one really explained the whys behind the cues, right? This is another one of my, you know, kind of huge concerns about the training process.
process is that oftentimes we don't learn the whys behind the cues. And so teachers come out of 200 hour trainings without the whys. So a lot of the work that I do is to fill in the gaps. What are the whys behind the cues? Because now I have so much more power as a teacher because I'm saying something and I really know what I'm saying rather than just parroting what I heard. Now, I have to say the process of becoming a teacher is that we're learning from senior teachers, right? We're learning from those who are more experienced than we are. And so by its nature, just the process of educating a yoga teacher is that the, the teacher trainee is deferring to the senior teacher and taking the information that senior teacher says as, I don't wanna say as fact, but as this is the way I should do it. It doesn't mean though that you as a teacher then say, um, I just, I'm not gonna ask any questions. You need to be asking the questions to fully close that loop. You know, there's nothing that kind of worries me more than when a teacher says to me, I do it that way because that's the way I was taught, right? To me, that really implies that I've just deferred all my, you know, kind of power to someone else without asking questions about, well, why are we doing it that way, right? Just think of like a three-year-old. Why is the sky blue? Why do windshield wipers get the water off the windshield? Why does the grass grow? All these kinds of things that kids would say. You know, and as a teacher, just because you were taught a particular way doesn't mean that you shouldn't ask questions and certainly doesn't mean that you can't change how you express that, especially once you learn more about, in large case, in many cases, the anatomy. And that can give you a lot of reasons to change the way you do things from the traditional way that it's taught. But you have a reason for changing it. So, you know, keep in mind when you teach, this goes back to tip number two, when you teach from action and alignment, you're good there, right? You know that, you know the actions, unless you're saying actions you don't know. So if you're in, you know, if you have your students in warrior two and you say spiral your back thigh, you know, open, that wouldn't be a correct cue because the back hip in warrior two is internally rotating to a certain degree, right? So all range of motion is measured in degrees. In warrior two, the back hip is internally rotating to a certain extent, not completely. We're not turning that back foot all the way in, but we are turning that hip in slightly. So you can still kind of get a little bit stuck if you're teaching from what you don't know. So just teach from what you know and teach from action and teach from alignment and you're in integrity, you're clear, your voice is clear, your voice is powerful, you can answer questions after class, bam, 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 you're good on all fronts. Okay, so the next one uh, is also another one where you might have a little bit of a reaction. So let me just, I guess maybe I, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't say that and set you up. Um, refrain from practicing with the class. Okay, so we could probably talk about this forever. Let me just start out by saying, number one, this is a suggestion. Number two, I am not saying I am right. I have no need to be right, friends. I am just sharing ideas. If you choose to do something different from any of these ideas, that is totally fine. So let's just kind of diffuse if you're listening to this and you're starting to get reactive, like, what does she mean? Don't I, my students need me to practice, like all of this attachment to what you're doing. Let's just let that go. Like, it's fine. Do what you do. 
I am just suggesting, right? I'm just suggesting that um, if you practice with your class, and, and by practice, I don't mean, I'm not talking do a couple quick demos. I'm talking like you're throwing a mat down, you're in down dog, you're doing sun salutations, you're, do, you're doing it from A to Z. You're doing yoga with them, right? You're getting your workout, you're getting your practice in. That's what I'm talking about. And I actually think this probably doesn't happen too, too much. Um, you know, I will say there, well, I will say number one, there are definitely times, so if any of you out there are listening and you've been to my class, um, there are times that I'll do a couple things like actual down dogs, up dogs with, but I'll do it for maybe like a minute, maybe two minutes, and then I'll move on. And my mat is always facing the class. I never have my mat facing sideways. I am facing them. I am watching them. Of course, when I'm a down dog, I can't see them. But when I'm doing things where I can be facing forward, I'm looking right at them. So I'm still engaged with the teaching process. If I'm turned to the side, I can't even see them. It just energetically cuts them off, visually cuts them off. You know, I might as well be in another room. So I will throw that out there. And the, so the general mode of this, the spirit behind this is that, again, if we go back to this idea of, you know, when teachers say to me, I want to be able to go in and just have things flow from me and just have this knowledge flow from me and just all of this like desire for this kind of perception that teachers have of like how they want to be. And I love that. I, you know, we need to have an idea. We need to be able to visualize where do we want to go. Um, and so when we visualize that, are you really visualizing that you're practicing everything with your students, right? I would probably challenge you to say, you're probably not. You're probably imagining yourself walking around the room, maybe, you know, with students permission, giving a light assist here or there, watching what they're doing, changing your cues, having the knowledge just flow from you. I get that, right? I totally, I totally honor that visualization. And so what I would really encourage you to do is, you know, maybe put a mat down, but don't practice. And as far as the teachers who feel like their students are only visual learners, let me share with you gently that if you think your students are visual learners, number one, how do you know that? Have they said that to you? Number two, even if you have the same five people that come to your class all the time and they're struggling, and so you're doing the whole practice with them because you want them to be able to see it because you assume they're visual learners only. Isn't part of what you're trying to do in yoga practice, getting people better connected to their bodies. And what a great gift that you can give that person by helping them connect to their bodies more by not practicing with them. And what a great opportunity for you as a teacher, hello, for you as a teacher, to learn how to effectively cue than to work with someone who by their own admission is a quote, visual learner only. I can't learn auditorily, right? So I guarantee that you can help those students. Um, and in many cases, the shifts that they'll have will be even more transformative than the shifts in the people who already know how to practice from auditory cues. So I'm not going to go into that more. I would highly, highly encourage you to <clears throat> comment 
on this podcast and let me know what you think of that, especially if you're having a strong physical reaction as I'm talking about it. The next thing is just kind of a quick one. I'm just going to go over this quickly. Have a set music list if you use music. I use on Pandora yoga music for super chill restorative stuff and uh, yoga workout for the more upbeat stuff. There are, I would say 90% to 95% of the songs are no words. I don't like words when I'm, when I'm teaching. I think it conflicts with the students hearing me. And I also don't know what kind of words are going to be trigger words for people, especially songs about romance and love and loss and all of that. So I don't like to have that. Again, do what you want. Um, but I would say if you have at least a set music list, you can press play and leave it alone. And that's really good because that's just, again, another thing that you can control where it frees you up energetically to really be there for your students. And then the last one is try not to worry about what your students think of you. Oh my God, this is such a big one. I know that you're out there looking at your students' faces and trying to think, what are they thinking right now? Because I do that too. Isn't that like amazing? And then what about those times that they come up to you after class and they go, wow, that was really a great class. And the whole time you were teaching, you were for sure thinking that they thought the class stunk, <laughs> right? Or the student that leaves in the middle of class or the student that's in child's pose for 50% of the class or the student that falls asleep in class or the student that you go to give them a block and they toss the block to the side, whatever it is. Just remember in... Um, Oh, goodness. Uh, the book, The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Uh, one of them has to do with don't take things personally. That is such a huge thing for yoga teachers. Don't take things personally, friends. You are a guide. You have an agenda. You have a role to play. You're going to do that. You're going to be of service. You're going to go through your, your sequence and you're going to go. You're going to go through it for all the people that are there. Right. And so if you have one person who's having, you know, some kind of reaction, you're assuming you know what that is, or somebody leaves early, whatever, you're going to keep going because there are other people there that need you to keep going. They're engaged, you know, they're part of the process. And even for those situations, even where someone comes up to you and says, I didn't like that, that wasn't hard enough. Um, sometimes I get, wow, was that class for beginners? That didn't seem very hard. <laughs> I love when I get that. That to me, I don't know. That to me, first of all, I would never say that to a teacher. Second of all, that to me is just a comment from someone who is just looking for the razzle-dazzle. And I'm not the teacher. If you want razzle-dazzle, I'm not the teacher for you. And I am 100% comfortable saying that. And I want you to be 100% comfortable owning the kind of teacher you are, right? If you want to come to class and do handstands and headstands and, you know, a lot of flipping the dog and all of that, you're not going to get that in my class. You're going to get fundamental movements with a lot of solid cues in my class. And so I want you to be able to say in a, in a quick nutshell, kind of quote unquote elevator pitch, what are you going to get? Or what am I going to get if I come to your class? What are you offering? What are you about? What's your niche? You know, finding your niche in yoga teaching is huge because there are a lot of teachers out there and not only finding your niche, but owning it 100%, no excuses, right? And not again, back to this tip, not worrying about what your students think of you. 
I'm not saying you don't get feedback and then you don't go home and think about it, but it's almost like in meditation when you have those thoughts and you have to step outside yourself and watch yourself having the thoughts, you have to remove the emotion from it. When you get feedback, good or bad, remove the emotion from it and decide, is there a learning there for me? If there is, great, right? But you're not there to justify to people, oh, I'm sorry, that class wasn't hard enough for you. Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, there were a lot of new people in class and I want it. No, this, this, is not, this is not what this is about. I think you get that. I don't want to get into that kind of customer service aspect of the practice or of teaching classes. Um, my point here is I don't want you to worry, right? And to have stress and anxiety about what your students are thinking about you. Because chances are it's about them, right? If you're really struggling with this concept, pick up the four agreements and read it. Um, or just Google it in the near term and read what the four agreements are. Uh, you need to free yourself up from this and you're going to find like boundless energy is going to be released because now you're just free. Again, think of that teacher walking into the room and just teaching yoga, right? That teacher is not consumed with what other people are thinking about them or what the studio owner thinks about them or that conversation they have with the student after class or you know, all of this stuff, again, it's like putting on a coat and another coat and another coat and another coat. It's so much energetic weight and you need to be free of that. And when you're free of that, guess what? You can be of service. You can be of service. You can be clear with your cues. You can be powerful in how you stand in front of the class. You can feel good in your own skin. You can move easily. All these things that are gonna make you a more effective teacher. And by being a more effective teacher, your students are gonna have a more transformative experience. So I wanna thank you for listening. I wanna wrap up by saying, number one, all these tips are on the download for new teachers and it is on my homepage. So go to barebonesyoga.com, right there, halfway down the homepage, you'll see tips for new teachers downloaded here. Um, I also referenced in one of the tips, the sequence building template that's right on the homepage at the top. I also reminded you that if any of this stuff to download is too confusing for you, just take a screenshot of you listening to the podcast, right? So it doesn't have to be of your face, but as you have the podcast up on your phone, just take a screenshot of it and just post it on your Instagram, tag me at barebone yoga and I'll DM you the uh, links to what you need. And that's it. So I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day, wherever you are, wherever you're listening, and stay tuned for the next episode. Make sure you subscribe to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. Namaste.